wonderful, wonderful God we serve. Nobody like him. Amen. And I know that he's here to meet the needs of his people. And uh, we're so glad you're here tonight on Wednesday midweek service. Praise God. And we're glad, most of all, that he is here. Amen. I'm glad that uh, scriptures endorse the fact and uh, that uh, when we begin to worship and praise him and lift him up, he responds to that. And when it says two or three are gathered together in my name, he said, I'll be in the midst. And so it's important for us to recognize that, realize that we can utilize that no matter what's going on in our life in that communication process with God, live to give up. Amen. He responds. We're going to go back to Colossians, the book of Colossians tonight. And I want to finish up chapter 1 and begin in chapter 2 of Colossians. We are looking to slowly but gradually get back in full swing of things. And uh, our Sunday school, our kids, they're functioning at the bit. So our Sunday school department's working on that. And uh, they will be having uh, those classes. Uh, actually, it won't necessarily be classes, but they do this thing once a month where they're all kind of out in the open. And so they're going to work on doing that. And some good old-fashioned social distancing and a whole lot of hand sanitizers. In fact, let me just spread something on my hand here. Anybody need prayer right now? My hands are clean. But here in the scripture, uh, Paul talking to the Colossians uh, and proclaiming the lordship of Jesus after explaining the central truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the lordship of, of Jesus in both creation and also in redemption. Here in Colossians, it briefly focuses on Paul's ministry of proclaiming the gospel. And I believe that that is something that all of us must be very involved in in our lives. You say, I'm not a preacher. No, but you're a Holy Ghost-filled saint of God. And I think all of us can be an evangelist to our world that we live in. And to speak to somebody, you can all be that, uh, that person that uh, presents the gospel to them and uh, can influence them into seeing uh, how God can do in their life what he's done in your life so it's very important that we understand that so let's pray I'll let you, I know we've been standing a lot tonight but let's pray and ask God just to bless us here for the next little bit and have God's word just minister to us Lord God we thank you for this time once again to be able to come in your house of worship amen to lift you up and to magnify your name and I pray God here for the next little while that our ears will be open to hear hearts open to receive amen what your word would speak into our spirit tonight Amen. I pray, God, that your word would truly be, as it says, that lamp into our feet that illuminates our pathway, amen, as we walk in this present world, in this journey, amen, to one day make heaven our home. So God bless us tonight with your word, amen. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray, and let everybody say amen. And God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. So go ahead and flip over to Colossians, the first chapter, if you're there. 
we'll put it up on the screen if you're not. And those that are watching by way of uh, uh, live stream, we want to thank you for being with us tonight and uh, trust that all is well uh, with, with you. Uh, a lot of people are faunching at the bit to get back to uh, all of our services, and I can, I can totally understand that because I don't like being by myself necessarily when I'm preaching. Yes, I do have uh, other people with me, but uh, it's just a core group of trying to do all the stuff to make this happen. And uh, <clears throat> Sunday night, I could tell that uh, my voice was starting to kind of fade on me fast. Uh, so I, I like people here because it gives me an inner reaction. It gives me a break. Somebody says, well, why didn't you take a drink of water? I'm like, well, boy, that would be awkward. There's nobody praising God, nobody doing anything, and I just have to stop for a moment and take a drink of water. Amen. But uh, when you all are here and you start worshiping God, that just gives me a little moment there to get that, that drink of water. Amen. So let's look at verse 24 of chapter 1 of Colossians. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Everybody say the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to do what? Say it with me. To fulfill the word of God. Verse 26 says, Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto also labor striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. So here in verse 24 uh, of this uh, uh, text, uh, the Apostle Paul suffered uh, to preach the gospel. Uh, there was suffering going on. So he did not participate in the work of atonement, as we know, for Jesus Christ alone was the one sacrifice uh, for the sins of the world. But Paul's suffering was ministerial, and not uh, meditorial. Uh, Paul endured hardship and persecution for Christ's sake, specifically for the sake of the church. And so doing, he entered into the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. So the same love that motivated Christ uh, to sacrifice his life, also that same love motivated Paul to minister amen, the word of God. And so in fulfilling his ministry, we understand he suffered for Christ's sake. And it was this suffering uh, uh, that was his share in the afflictions of Christ. Not, not the sufferings of Christ on the cross, but the sufferings of the corporate body of Christ, which as we know is the church. Amen. How many is glad to be a part of of the church tonight. Amen. So the phrase here, in my flesh, in my flesh, indicates that Paul's suffering included physical suffering. Amen. Now, uh, you probably uh, heard one time or another uh, in, your, uh, uh, 
in your uh, life of living for Christ, if you've been around long enough, back in the olden days, it was not uncommon for people to persecute other people, and they still do at some point, but uh, many times back then, it could get really physical for people to come to church. It had to be a, a, a deep-seated desire to come to church because they knew that they were going to put up with affliction. They knew they were going to put up with sufferings. Amen. But they knew that the Word of God and what they had in their life was so valuable that it was worth putting up with that. Amen. So Paul, uh, in his flesh, uh, he uh, endured physical sufferings. Uh, Paul did not have uh, what you might call a martyr's complex. Uh, that wasn't what the kind of uh, complex he had. He did not complain about his sufferings, nor did he boast of them either. You know, sometimes people can brag about, you know, I've gone through this and I've gone through that. That wasn't Paul. Paul wasn't about that. And so uh, uh, he did not complain about them and he didn't boast about them. But the Bible lets us know that he rejoiced in them. He rejoiced in them. He did not enjoy them, right? There's a difference. But he rejoiced in them. But he knew that they came because he was doing the will of God and the work of God. <clears throat> Praise God. And so that God, he understood, was still in control in his life. Amen. And he also knew that God would work all things together ultimately for those uh, for the good. And so we see that tonight, and I hope you understand that living for God should not be a drudgery. Living for God should not be something that you look at and say, wow, is this worth it? Amen. Living for God shouldn't be a, a, a thought in your mind that uh, would come across and say, well, you know, is it worth going to church uh, all this time throughout the week? And, and uh, you, know, I, you, know, I, you know, my family says things or work or so or whoever it might be might say something to you. Uh, you, you should never come to the place. You've got to understand that everything that happens, God's going to bring it. The ultimate goal is good in your life. So joy, amen, is proper. Everybody say proper. That's a proper Christian attitude in times of trial and temptation. Amen. Because we know that ultimately he's the one that's still in control. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we go to verse 25. And in verse 25 here it identifies Paul as a minister or a servant of the gospel or of the church. And, and God uh, gave Paul here a dispensation, uh, a time to serve the church. Amen. God knows when you, look at the, uh, when you look at the life of Paul, when he was previously Saul, and look at all the havoc that he brought onto the early church, and you see everything that he'd done, and then all of a sudden to see the change of heart, what God can do. That just lets me know that God can do anything in anybody's life. Right? Makes no difference who we are. Amen. If we give ourselves over to the Lord, the Lord can transform us. Amen. And make us into a minister or a servant of the gospel. Amen. To talk to other people and reach out to other people so that their lives can like, likewise be changed. So his apostleship, uh, uh, in particular his calling to preach the gospel uh, to the Gentiles, uh, it came from God. Now I'm going to say something here because this is very important for all of us to understand it. And, uh, 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 you know, understand that the ministry or the call comes from God. It is not something that you can survive if it is self-appointed. If somebody self-appoints themselves, is that grammatically correct, uh, to be 
to, to, to kind of be a minister of the gospel. I self-appoint myself. This is what I'm going to do. They're in for a rude awakening because when the trials and troubles and tribulations come, they're not going to be able to handle them. Why? Because they haven't approached it in the correct manner. But when God calls you and, and God moves on you and your relationship with God is at that point, you can go through things and even though they might be tough, you still know that you have uh, somebody to fall back on and, and one that can help you and protect you during that time, right? Let's clap our hands and praise Him. He's worthy of that. So, He was not self-appointed, He was God-appointed. And so the purpose of His ministry was to proclaim and fulfill the Word of God, not His own purposes and His own ideas. See, the one thing I take from the Gospel and the one thing I take from this is the fact that Simply that it's, it's, I'm not preaching my, uh, you know, my purpose or I'm not preaching my ideas. It's not about Dan Heidelbaugh. It's about the Word of God. Right. Amen. And when you deviate from the Word of God, that's where fallacy comes in and that's where problems come in. you got to stick to the Word. Amen. And if you've got questions, get with somebody or, or, and, and begin to hash it out and begin to uh, gain the knowledge that you and I all need. Amen. So that we can do it correctly, right? Amen. We want to rightly divide the word of truth. And so, uh, uh, so he didn't do it for his own purposes because God gave him a ministry for the people, for us, for the church. Amen. For his readers. Amen. I don't, I don't know about you, but when I read the word of God, I'm reading it so that my life, amen, can receive something from it. Right? Amen. When I listen to a Matthew, Mark, Luke, John uh, you know, uh, Peter, Paul, whoever, uh, in the in the New Testament, and I go to the Old Testament, and I listen to Old, Ti- Old Testament writers. When, you, when you're doing that, a, a lot of times I like to put myself in that place as it is speaking to me. Amen. Because I want to receive something from it. Even though I know it might be talking to a certain uh, group of people or whatever at that time, I still believe that you and I can also glean from the Word of God. It's for us today, Right? Praise God. I can receive just as much out of the Old Testament when I read the Old Testament. But you got to understand, the Old Testament and the New Testament are like hand and glove. Amen. They go together. you got to have both of them. And so the Colossian church was part of the body of Christ. And more particularly, uh, the city of Colossus was a Gentile city. And so Paul, uh, uh, thus far, established his authority to teach the Colossians and address the heresy that was in the midst. Amen. I don't know about you, but I I always want to have somebody in my life that can speak into my life and address something that I may not see as something that could be that damaging, but yet they can speak clearly into my life and let me know uh, uh, where where the fallibility is in that thought process. And so Paul said, you know what? Uh, you know, uh, to the Colossians, I'm here to help you grow in Christ, right? So verse 26 begins to elaborate upon Paul's ministry and upon his message. And the commission that God had entrusted him uh, uh, to him was to proclaim the mystery or the secret. Everybody say secret. How many like secrets? Come on now. Huh? You know, Christmas time when all the packages and the gifts or your birthday or, 
or Father's Day. Well, Father's Day, we really don't get gifts. Uh, Mother's Day, uh, Mother's Day, all the ladies say amen. We just come through that. And, you know, there's something about that package that's wrapped. There's something about that package with that ribbon and that bow. You remember the kids? Amen. Back in the day, they would grab it and they would shake it and they would always try to talk you into letting them open one gift. Huh? There's something, the mystery of it, the secrecy of it, that, that, that not knowing what it is, but you know it's for you. Right? Amen. And so God gives Paul this, uh, uh, this uh, uh, ministry to proclaim the mystery or the secret that had been hidden in the past, but now, amen, was now revealed to who? The saints. Hallelujah. Amen. And so Paul elaborates on this message, upon this ministry, this commission that God had entrusted him. And so uh, verse 27, God himself willed that this mystery be revealed to all believers, including the Gentiles. Thank you. Which whom we would fall into that category. Right? Amen. So thank God that he includes us. Thank God that there's the message, the same message uh, is for us today. So the phrase, the riches of the glory of his mystery, of this mystery, speaks of the profound, invaluable, magnificent character of the mystery. Amen. And so the language is, is uh, uh, kind of reminiscent to the frequent use of riches that is uh, 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 written about in the book of Ephesians. And Colossians 2, 2 and 3 that we previously went over also speaks of riches and treasures where? In Jesus Christ. Everybody say in Jesus Christ. So what is the mystery? The mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, namely the promise and reception of the indwelling Christ. Hallelujah. I'm just glad, amen, that you've been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise God. Nothing like it. Talk about transformation. So while the phrase may refer uh, to uh, Christ's presence, the mystery or the Christ in you, the hope of glory, it refers to, may refer to Christ's uh, uh, presence in the church corporately, all right, meaning Christ in your midst, which we like. It seems, though, that it's more prominent thought, the more prominent thought is Christ's presence in, in us individually. Amen. That is Christ within you. Amen. Because he is in us, we have hope. Right? Amen. I have hope. Amen. For tomorrow, I have hope for glory. So Christ dwells in us as we would say the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. And, and the way we receive 
uh, that is by what? It's the Acts 2.38 message. We talk about it. It's the death, burial, resurrection. It's repentance of your sin, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That, that, that's what it's all about. You receive. When you're filled with His Spirit, amen, you are receiving His Spirit, right? Amen. And, you, and, and, and that process, you, you have to repent, be buried in His name, be filled with His Spirit. So the New Testament believers enjoy the indwelling presence of Christ uh, in a way unknown to the believers in earlier ages, right? Amen. And so I'm so glad, I'm so glad that, that, that that's where we're at right now is that he dwells in me, so that means wherever I go, amen, no matter where I'm at, I can call on his name and he's there, right? Amen. He's there to uh, uh, be uh, my my, uh, my compass, he's there to navigate me, he's there to correct me when I let my, uh, my emotions go, he's there, amen, to work on me, right? I don't have to go to somebody else, amen, I can, I, it's, it's on the spot where God can touch my life, whether it's in my car, whether it's at work, whether wherever we might be, uh, the presence of the Lord is there with us. Are you glad for that tonight? So the baptism of the Holy Ghost was available to the saints uh, of, uh, 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 of the early uh, generations. But from the beginning of the New Testament church, amen, uh, on the day of Pentecost, all saints, not just the apostles, received the Spirit. So not just the upper room, folks, right? Amen. Not just those 120 in the upper room, uh, but yet when it spilled out of the upper room, Amen. And the message went forth. 3,000 were added to the church that same day. Man, you want to talk about one big baptismal party, whatever you want to look at it. I look at it that way. I'm like, you know, where's all the pools? Where's all the rivers? Where's everything at? Uh, then, then it goes on to say uh, 5,000 more. <clears throat> and then they just, it's, just, it's just multitudes of people were receiving this message and their lives were being changed. Amen. How? Because of the message, because of the outpouring of the Spirit of God. On the people. So, so Christ's indwelling presence is our hope of glory. Or another way to look at that is our pledge of final glory. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. So if we don't have, you know, this is the important thing. If we don't have the spirit of Christ, we don't belong to him. But if we have his abiding presence, we have spiritual life. We have righteousness, the promise of resurrection. We have a promise of inheritance as God's children. Right? And so the, the Holy Ghost is the, is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Amen. To praise, to the praise of his glory. Amen. That's Paul. Paul wrote that to the Ephesians in the first, in the uh, third chapter, or first chapter, verse thirteen and fourteen. Now we go to verse twenty-eight. Since the revealed mystery that God had commissioned Paul to proclaim was the indwelling Christ, Paul preached Christ. 
Paul preached Christ. Paul, Paul preached Christ. You can look at Paul's writings to the First Corinthians or to the to the Corinthians in First Corinthians uh, chapter one, verse twenty-three, and also in chapter two, verse two. Amen. The preaching of Christ. Let me say, let me tell you what it includes. Amen. A couple points here includes a lot, but let me just give you two tonight. Amen. The preaching of Christ includes number one, warning. Now, uh, you know uh, what does warning entail? Well, warning entails. Uh, uh, the process of admonishing, uh, pro- reproving, uh, con- convincing of error, warning. We don't, we don't, we don't really like that kind of preaching, right? We don't like that that preaching that steps on our toes or 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 corrects us. We we live in a generation that don't like correction. They don't like to be told they're wrong. They want you to coddle them. They want you to uh, burp them. They want you to uh, pamper them. They want you to uh, uh, just uh, make sure that they're the, the cutest thing going and the best thing going and, 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 and there's nothing, you know, they're, they're, they're everything and more. But yet they don't want the correction. Don't correct me. Don't tell me I'm doing wrong. Don't tell me, don't, don't try to uh, uh, preach a message of, convi- of conviction on me. Amen. But yet Paul said, uh, amen, the preaching is to warn people by admonishing them by reproving them by convincing them of error in their life that's what the word's all about amen you don't just take a portion that you like and do away with the rest of it you know how many's ever had that old Bible in your house, or you found it around the church? And you know you'd find Bibles that that uh, uh, all of a sudden you open up, and there was portions of it gone. You know it'd been around so long, and things got you know, and and it wasn't there. But I still can't throw it away. It just have you ever tried that before? Have you ever tried to get rid of something like that? It's like, you know, we stack them up, you know, where, where the, whose Bible is this? Whose Bible is that? You know, whatever. And you just have a hard time just doing away with it. Why? Because we understand, in my, this is my personal opinion, okay? I understand that that is the Word of God. Amen. And if I, can, if I can give it to somebody, it would be much better off giving it to somebody that they could take that Word of God, even though it might be a used Bible, beat-up Bible, whatever. It's still the Word of God. And it's that Word that the Bible says is a lamp unto our feet. It's that Word that leads and guides us in the present world. It's the Word that convicts us, amen, that shows us the way. Amen. So don't be afraid of the warning. The warning is there actually to help us. Amen. It's there to help us. So the second thing here uh, that we see, the preaching of Christ, uh, includes teaching in wisdom. Teaching in wisdom. What, what does that mean? Just a simple thing. Instructing in truth. I don't know about you, but if somebody's going to minister to me the Word of God, I want them to minister to me the truth. Right? The whole truth, nothing but the truth. I, I want the truth. I don't. I don't want their, uh, uh, you know, their uh, description of something. That I want the truth. Give me the truth, amen. If you if you got an elaborate story and you put it all together and it's and it's great and it's got that element of truth in it that gets me, then that's fine. But don't don't be putting all that stuff out there and not have the element of truth, because then all it is is a story. It's all it is. 
Amen. But if you've got the truth in there, amen, if I'm going to preach to you and, 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 I'm going to, and I'm going to minister to you, I want to do it with truth. I want to teach in wisdom or instruct in the truth. So the purpose of preaching is to present everyone, uh, uh, to present uh, everyone uh, perfect in Christ Jesus. In other words, the goal of preaching is, if I can say it this way, practical holiness. Walking with God, living for God, talking to God. The time uh, when the saints will be presented to Christ, uh, we call it the second coming. The thought here is similar to 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, when it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul, the body, be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the word perfect, everybody say perfect. The word perfect is translated, me and Brother Tyler was going over this uh, before church, uh, uh, from, uh, tel- I-, I say teleos, and that's the, uh, probably the English, more of the English uh, reading of the word, which means uh, simply mature, mature, fully grown, or complete, or whole. Uh, perfect, mature, fully grown, complete, whole. So the Christian life is a continual process or a continual growing process, right? It's a continual growing process or a process of perfecting holiness. So no one is absolutely perfect, you know, we, uh, if, you know if, you, if you think you're perfect, then I hate to, I hate to break the news to you. But you're not perfect. In fact, we have some serious flaws. Right? It's like my dad said one time when somebody says, I'm just not, about Pentecost. You know, Pentecost, we get emotional, right? We get emotional. Right? We clap our hands. Some, some are more emotional than others, but we all love God. We'll raise our hands. People cry. They clap their hands. Whatever. Some people run the aisles. And, you know, people will do things like that. It's, 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 it's what it is. And so somebody would say to my dad, I'm just not emotional. That's all emotion. My dad's process was, put your hand out there and give me a hammer, let me hit your hand and see if you have any emotions. <laughs> Folks, we have emotions. We, we are emotional people. So let me tell it to you this way. Let me just give it to you this way. If, you, if, you, if we come to church <clears throat> and we say we're not emotional or that's too much emotional, but then you go out to a ball game somewhere and you scream yourself silly, scream yourself hoarse, or you go do any other kind of a function that you do, and you're hopping around yelling, screaming, laughing, and all that kind of stuff, and then you want to say church is too emotional? <laughs> Let me stop. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you're going to feel emotions. When you pray, you're going to feel emotions. This is an emotional relationship. Amen, because, you know, it's one thing. I'm emotional because I know what God's done for me. I'm emotional because I know, amen, that I have a hope and glory. I'm emotional because I know he's preparing a place for me that where he is, I can be also. I'm emotional about that. Amen, if you believe that tonight, why don't you clap your hands and praise God. So we're, we're not perfect, but we're working on it. And you can't be perfect in yourself. 
So we're not absolutely perfect. Amen. So, but each of us seek, amen, that perfection. We're looking for it. Or another, another good word for that is that maturity. I'm seeking, I'm looking for, I'm working on the maturity. I want to be mature. Amen. I'm working on that. So we can live a holy life by doing what? Well, it's, it's not as hard and as complicated as we would make it out to be. So simplicity, the simplicity of the gospel says I can live a holy life by separating from sin and dedicating myself to the things of God. We can be perfect or mature by maintaining our faith in Christ. And here, here's the key. Living a repented life according to God's word. Seeking to grow progressively more Christ-like. It's a, it's a process. I want to be more Christ-like. You know, it's like the old song, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. I, on earth, I long to be like him all through life's journey from earth to glory. I only ask, right, to be like him. So it's a process. Amen. And I want to be more like him. And that's, that's, that's why the indwelling of his spirit is so important because it's what helps us to be more like him. Praise God. Somebody say praise the Lord. So... Understand this too, God expects continual growth in Him. Continual growth in grace, knowledge, and also increasing production of your spiritual fruit. That's another thing too about walking with God. God, God does not fill us with His Spirit to end up just kind of uh, being, um, uh, your tree should never lay dormant. You know what I'm saying? Your tree should never have leaves and no fruit. Right? We've got fruit trees in our backyard. Not because not I put them there, but my wife just, she loves her fruit trees. And so we have fruit trees. We got, you know, and some have survived and some of them haven't. But it's, it's, it's uh, even though they're planted and they, they look good and the leaves are on it, if, if it doesn't have fruit, then what is its real worth other than shade? I like it, Brother Singer, when we get pears that big around off of it. And people look at them and go, wow, man, where did you get those? My backyard. And we'll get the five-gallon bucket, we'll give some to the, and give them to the neighbors or, or just whoever will take them because, you know, all they're going to do is fall to the ground in the backyard, rot, and then all the honeybees come and then in the process like what happened to me last year in the process of finally going out and trying to pick them I step on one of those rotten things go back in the house to get something from my wife walk out to the garage as I'm coming back through the house all of a sudden I start feeling these stings in my leg and a little booger grew up a couple of them flew up my pant leg when I stepped on them and so they started lighting me up you say, well, pastor, what did you want to do? I wanted to go take an axe at the root of the tree and cut the tree down. <laughs> mm. But you see, it wasn't the tree's problem. It was my problem. I wasn't paying attention where I was stepping. 
I knew it was there. I seen it was there. You see, that's the thing about the Lord. The Lord's always going to help us see what is there that we're fixing to step in that can bring pain to our life. Right? But yet we understand also that it is God that's going to give us the protection if we, play, if we pay attention. Amen. And so God says, look, you're not there to just grow fancy leaves. You're not there to just sit on a church pew. You're not there just to clap your hands and sing and, and pray and, and all that kind of stuff. You are there to produce spiritual fruit. That goes for all of us. To, to become involved in the kingdom of God in such a way that we are blessing the lives of other people. So let's go on. I know it's almost 8 o'clock. Verse 29 says, Paul labored and toiled. Uh, uh, basically, he says he's labored and toiled to bring about this result in the lives of everyone. Everybody he ministered to, this is what he was wanting to do. He wanted fruit to be born. He wanted lives to be changed. He wanted people to understand, if I can be changed, you can be changed. If I can go from hating the church and, and, and trying to kill people and letting people lay their coats at my feet uh, uh, when they stone Stephen, and, and, and if, I can, if I can do that and I've, got, and I've got the paperwork that I can go and, and wreak havoc among the church and then all of a sudden God changed my life, if God can do that for me, He can do that for anybody. Paul was serious about this message that he was preaching. So he labored and he toiled. So uh, <clears throat> several words in this verse describe uh, his, uh, his strenuous effort uh, and God's empowering grace. And let me, let me bring them to you. I don't know how much more time. I don't even know how long I've been up here right now. The first, the first word I want to talk to you about is labor. Everybody say labor. Amen. A lot of people are scared of labor. Right? Nobody wants to work anymore. You know, when, when, I, when I was a kid growing up, and, and I was still in high school, I can, I can remember uh, where we lived at, and uh, we had a tractor, and we had a, a set of plows, and we had some discs, uh, and, uh, and I liked that part. Now, Dad would never let me plow because I really didn't have the concept, but, but the disc, man, I could, I could, I could do the disking, and and I could, man, till that up and do that good. And, I, and, I, and that, that was fun. That was fun. I thought, this is great. But if I would only thought that this acre of ground you are plowing up and you're disking up right now in the heat of the summer when you want to go out and play ball or you want to go do this, you want to go do that, your dad's going to give you two five-gallon buckets and say, go pick beans. And after you're done picking beans, you can go. And I would go out there and I'd put one bucket down and I would sit on that bucket and I would start picking green beans. And I looked down that row and that row, I'm like, oh my goodness, I, will, I hope there's a lot of beans on these plants. And then I would fill those buckets up. Labor. Sometimes we want the benefits, we want the things that are enjoyable, but we never want to labor for it. You know, we want the Holy Ghost to fall. We want this. We want that. We want everything to happen. Pow, pow, pow. Microwave and all this kind of stuff. But we never want to labor for it. 
In other words, if we want that to fall, then there's got to be something that happens as us. There's got to be that prayer time. There's got to be that, that study of the Word. There's got to be that time you spend in inviting and, and touching the hearts and lives of people or, or talking to somebody and helping to, uh, to, to uh, get them to, to, to feel better, get some joy in their life, whatever it might be. There's labor involved. And when we put labor into it, then there's a good result that's going to come from it. Labor. Here's what it says. Toil. Carried to the point of weariness or exhaustion. That's what labor means. Toil, carried to the point of weariness or exhaustion. And it's a word that, like I talked about, is often used about manual labor. How many of you have ever been just wore out? You've worked, you come home, and you're just wore out. You're tired, you're exhausted. How many ever said that before? I'm exhausted. Labor. Another word is striving. Simply means struggling, agonizing. In other words, it, it means the most strenuous and self-denying effort. And when you look at this word striving, it carries the athletic connotation of contending in the arena or engaging in a contest. There's a struggle. It comes from the same root as the word translated conflict. Striving. Conflict. Engaging in contest. Striving. In other words, used here is working. Working uh, just simply means energy. Operative force. Power in action. So Paul did not merely toil and struggle according to his own human strength and ability, but according to God's working, which worked in him. So, so that's what that's all about. When Paul said, you know what, I'm doing this. I'm, I, I, I'm, the, I'm putting the energy to it. I've got the operative force. I'm working at it. I've got the power of action. But he said, look, I'm, I'm, it's not a, just a struggle or, or according to my own human abilities. But he said, it's, it's God working in me. It's God working with me. Amen. That's how you do it. The fourth and last one here is, is, is mightily. You know, it comes from that word of, of dominus, in power, in strength. God's working through Paul, as we see it here. Uh, God working through him. It was powerful. Everybody say it with me, powerful. How many have ever been in a sermon you said, man, that was powerful? We'll use words like powerful. We'll use words like awesome. We'll use outstanding. Man, the presence of the Lord was in the place. It was powerful. Right? Amen. You're articulating, the, you're articulating what was transpiring, what was going on. You were saying, man, God was doing a work. But let me tell you something. God's going to move, but when God moves, if we're working, if, he's, if we are working with him or in concert with him and he's working with us, man, that thing just goes up like a powder keg. You know, preachers call that kick in the bucket. When services get moving like that and people start coming to the altar, and man, you, know, you know if you stop it right there that it's just going to quench the Spirit of God. You don't want to do that, so you, you, you kick the bucket. 
and you just let people go. And you just begin to move into that area where God's wanting to do things. So mightily, everybody say mightily. Amen. So Paul, Paul, the preaching of the gospel requires strenuous and even agonizing. Come on up and help me out. Agonizing uh, work, human toil. And it may involve considerable human suffering. Huh? Hey, you know, it's, it's one of the, you know. But understand this, we don't stand alone. I remember years ago, my dad was cutting a tree down. It just wasn't any tree. It wasn't my fruit trees. But it was, it was this huge tree on a fence row. There was two of them. And this tree was just mammoth. And the tree next to it went way up and then it had a Y. So there was a guy that was there on a bulldozer pushing stuff around. And Dad had this old big uh, chainsaw. Man, it was, it was heavy. I think it was an old Davidson. And uh, he had cranked that thing up and proceeded. He had it all worked out to where he would cut that tree. He was working. He was toiling. He was sweating. It was hot. And he felt that that tree was going to fall into that, the Y of that other tree. And then he could just begin to take it down. What he was not ready for was he got so far through and when that tree went to fall that it would twist and buck up. And in the process of that, it hit him in the middle of the forehead. I remember coming home from school that day. I walked in the house, in the old house, and my dad come walking through the house in his pajamas if you knew my dad that was not my dad but he had this big old when he turned around he had this big old bandage on the front of his head that thing had cut like a horseshoe in his head I said man what happened to you and later on I found out the guy that was on the dozer said I, I was trying to take him to the hospital but he wouldn't listen to me he just got this little VW bug Four speed wasn't automatic, so he's trying to hold, keep from bleeding and shifting gears and going to the hospital to get sewed up. See, I use that illustration because sometimes when you're working, there's dangers, there's things that can happen. And when you're working for God, sometimes it may look smooth, but then all of a sudden, something comes up. Might wound your spirit. Might hurt your heart. Might afflict you in some way. But that's when we have to have the wherewithal, our wits about us to say, you know what? I'm in the fight. I've done it for the good reason. He went back and he finished that tree off. He conquered that goal, what he wanted to do. In the process of it, though, he got hurt. Hear me tonight when I tell you, in working for God, always understand you're going to have your smooth days. But there's going to be time, Paul says, when you're going to have your affliction. You're going to have your troubles. But you got somebody to lean on. Why? Because you have the indwelling spirit of Christ in you. Right? Amen. And it's that indwelling spirit that's in us that gives us the hope of glory. So don't ever, let's stand together. Don't ever, don't ever forget, amen, how important it is.
to stay in tune with the Spirit of God. Amen. To keep on, as we would say, keep on keeping on. Make it happen. Make it happen in your life. Be that person that stands out there in the forefront that other people can see. Not because it's you, but because when they look at your life, they say, look what, you know, what happened to you? And you say, look what the Lord hath done. Look what the Lord hath done. He's changed my life. Amen. I'm not who I used to be. Yes, my name's the same. Yes, I look the same. Amen. But I'm a changed person. And then we begin to live for God in a powerful way. So I'm praying tonight. I'll pick up where I left off. I'm praying tonight that God would help each and every one of us as we walk with Him to realize in this day and time that we live, we're going to see more and more around the world, amen, where the frustration of people and, and all the stuff that, 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 that's going on in our world today, that is a body of Christ, our job, our job is to reach out to the hurting, reach out to those that are, 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 are going through a tough time in their life, to let them know, look, Everything's not perfect in my life, but I'll tell you who I've got to lean on. I've got Jesus Christ to lean on. He is my hope, my salvation. Praise God. So before we leave tonight, I want to pray and just ask God to touch us and minister to us and to bless our lives. Amen. And just, just remember, we're still trying to practice some of this social distancing stuff. So amen. Let's be mindful of that as we close. But would you raise your hands right now and just ask God to touch your life. Lord God, we thank you right now for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we have again tonight to come into your house of worship. Amen. To lift you up and to give you honor and glory. Let's do your wonderful name. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Because we have strength. Amen. We have hope in you. And I pray, God, for not just those that are here tonight, but those, amen, that are watching uh, uh, across the uh, Internet waves, Lord Jesus, that you would minister to them. Lord, let them glean from what we spoke about tonight. Let them feel your power. Amen. Let them feel the hope, amen, in you. And I pray, God, that you would bless each and every one of us. Amen. Lead us and guide us. Go with us. Amen. For we know, Lord Jesus, that without you, we are nothing. Amen. And it's through your strength and your power, amen, that we can walk in this world with our head up, knowing that one day you're going to come for your church. Amen. That trumpet of God's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise first, then we which are alive remain. We're going to be caught up together to meet them in the air, and so shall we ever be with you. And so, Lord, I pray, God, tonight to help us always strive for that and do what we need to do because it is necessary, amen, to continue to live for you. God bless us, I pray in your name. Amen. And help us to be that, that vessel to take your word to those Amen, that are in this world that are lost and dying. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. And let everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. We will see you uh, Sunday morning. I would say in Jesus' name.